Welcome to Sermons for a Critical Faith, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, where faith is nurtured, curiosity encouraged, diversity welcomed, and all are loved. We believe that the mark of a good sermon is one that leaves you thinking about what you just heard and perhaps even a little bit uncomfortable. So as we move into our sermon for this week, my prayer is that you may find yourself pleasantly uncomfortable. Monday is the birthday of civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. His most famous speech was one that he modified on the fly when he added what was probably his best known phrase, I have a dream. Given on August 28, 1963 on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, he said, I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain made low. The rough places will be made plain and the places, the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together knowing that one day we will be free. On April 3rd, 1968, the day before he was assassinated, he gave another famous speech, which ended with this. I have seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Martin Luther King Jr. was inviting people to join him on a journey home, home to the promised land. The prophet Isaiah also invites us on a journey home, home to the heart of God. They're both at their core spiritual journeys, inviting us to see ourselves with new eyes and to embrace the hope to which we have been called. As we enter this time of worship, Consider, what in you is keeping you from the journey to the promised land? Our reading today from what is traditionally called Third Isaiah, a portion of the book of Isaiah written after the people came back to Jerusalem from exile in Babylon. However, they were still in the process of coming to terms with what it, it meant for God to bring them back home. Let's listen for the word of God for us today from Isaiah 62, verses 1 through 5. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. 
and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Martin Luther King Jr. was a prophet in his own time, a prophet in the footsteps of the prophet Isaiah. He saw a world, he's, start over. <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. was a prophet in his own time in the footsteps of the prophet Isaiah. He saw a world that was possible. He saw the world God desired. And he lifted up that vision. And even when people were so bone tired that they had no energy to march, even when they had no strength to stand, he held forth this vision of the promised land and said, let us encourage one another. Let us strengthen one another. Let us keep this vision before us because as impossible as it seems, we will make it to the promised land. This journey to the promised land was as much a spiritual journey as it was a social and a political journey. In order for the vision of Martin Luther King Jr. to become reality, hearts had to be changed, not just minds and not just actions. And not just on the part of white Americans either, but on the part of black Americans too. We're in it together. We either make it to the promised land together or we fail together. The prophet Isaiah also held forth a vision of the promised land. Also, like Martin Luther King Jr., a land where injustices of the past are healed and peace, real peace, was the air we breathed. But there was an extra piece in Isaiah's vision. The promised land was not just a geographical place, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem in this case, but a people. The promised land was a people healed of sin, a people healed of shame. For Isaiah rightly recognized that it was a spiritual battle he was facing. Let me give you a little bit of context here. In the narrative world of Old Testament prophets, Jerusalem was destroyed and her people were taken into exile because they perpetuated injustice. They did not care for the least among them. They were not good news to the poor. Rather, they put themselves first and those who struggled got leftovers, if they were even noticed. In 587 BC, Babylon conquered Jerusalem and took the majority of the population to Babylon, where they lived for the next 70 years in exile. On the surface, you'd think that when Cyrus of Persia conquered Babylon and decreed that exiled people could return home, that there'd be dancing in the streets. But most people actually stayed in Babylon. They'd made a life for themselves there. Most of them had never been to Jerusalem. They were born during the exile, and they only knew of Jerusalem and 
the promised land from the stories that their parents and grandparents told. So on the one hand, Isaiah was trying to convince them to leave their established, their established lives in Babylon to go to a city they'd never been to. He was also trying to convince them to go to a city that was in ruins because Babylon had been utterly destroyed during the siege of Jerusalem, or Jerusalem had been utterly destroyed during the siege of Jerusalem. But Isaiah was trying to convince them to leave the comfort of their homes and where they'd built a life for themselves. It was an uphill battle, to say the least. But I think there was more going on than just that. Listen to these words from Isaiah. You shall be called by a new name which God will give you. You will be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. You shall no more be termed forsaken. You shall be called, my delight is in her, for the Lord delights in you. I think Isaiah was speaking directly to the stories they'd been telling themselves for 70 years. They were forsaken by God. They were abandoned by God. And if they were so forsaken that they were exiled from their home, the home of their ancestors from Jerusalem, the epitome of this ideal of the promised land, then they were indeed a forsaken and forgotten and shamed people. What they had done that put them in that place defined who they were. And so we hear Isaiah repeating over and over in different words, you are God's delight. You are God's beloved. You are the glory of God. You are loved. This isn't about God ignoring the sin that led to the exile. It's God saying, I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. And they were still afraid to come home. I think of all those reasons that we are afraid to come home, come home to God. Maybe we've done something we're ashamed of and we're wondering, can God really ever love me again? Maybe we've given up on the idea that things can be any better than they are. I mean, that's the question. Does God care? Does God really have the power to change things? Maybe we're too tired to start out on that journey home. It, it takes a lot of effort. It takes rethinking who we are and how we're going to live. It means changing habits changing what we do when we wake up in the morning. And I don't know about you, I'm tired. So, you know, maybe tomorrow, maybe next year, maybe when I retire, I'll think about taking that kind of a journey. Maybe we've been hurt by those who claim to speak for God. And if that's what God's people are like, then either that must be what God is like, or maybe there's just no God, no place to come home to. Or maybe we've grown up with a distorted picture of God who's not loving. In which case, why would we ever want to go home to a God who doesn't love us? And yet there's this, this longing in the human heart to belong. This, this longing to know that we're loved, to know that we matter. This longing to know that the world as it is is not the way God intends it. I think there's this longing in each one of us to come home to that place where there is peace and healing for all. Maybe we should stop listening to all of those voices 
that distort our understanding of who we are and that distort our vision of, of God and the world as God intends. We listen to a lot of people tell us, well, this is just the way it is, or this is the way it's supposed to be, and they're pointed to some grave injustice. Uh, because in their world, that is the way it's supposed to be. We listen to these people who tell us we are defined by our worst sin, by the worst decision we made on the worst day of our lives. That now defines us forever, and there's nothing we can ever do to change that. We listen to those voices. Even when we don't intend to, they, they seep into us, and they, they affect our understanding of who we are, and they affect our understanding of who God is. But we, I was about to say worship a God, but let me change that to say we belong to a God who loves us, knowing full well how imperfect we are, the things we've done, and says those actions don't define you. They're not the verdict on who you are in your world. We belong to a God who says, I love you more than life itself, no matter what anyone else tries to tell you. Anyone who tries to tell you that God is not love does not know God. So don't let them hijack your hearts or your thoughts or your sense of self. We belong to a God who desires healing for you, who wants to see you and the whole world whole. And healthy. We belong to a prodigal God who longs to welcome us with open arms and who runs to meet us on the journey home. What will it take for us to remember and believe that? Isaiah thinks he knows, or at least he's trying. He keeps lifting up this vision of God calling them home. He keeps repeating it over and over and over throughout the whole book of Isaiah. And he's hoping that one of these days they'll actually listen to him and believe him. But he also, instead of just calling them, hey, come on home, he also says, God's coming out to meet you. You don't have to make this journey alone. The last verse of Isaiah 62 says it well. Speaking of Jerusalem, which is a stand-in for the people of God, Isaiah says, you shall be called sought out. God seeks us out. God doesn't wait for us to make that first step, and God gives us help on the journey. In Isaiah 43, God says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Who are the streams in the wasteland for you? Who are those people who've come into your life and reminded you that you were loved? Who are those people who've stood by you and helped you through difficult times? Who are the people who've loved you in spite of yourself? Who are the people who've lifted you up when you were down, when you saw no future and no hope for tomorrow? Who are those who have reminded you that the world as it is is not God's intention for us? Who have been the streams in the wasteland for you? Imagine that they are part of God's voice calling and inviting you home. Come home to that place where love dwells. 
Come home to that place where healing is powerful. Come home to that place where hope lives. Come home to the heart of God. Can you imagine what this world would be like if we all, if all the world came home to God? I think we'd be in the promised land. Because when healing happens, we no, not, no longer need to oppress others to feel good about ourselves. When we're no longer blind, we can see the needs around us so we can share. When our hearts are enlarged so much that there's room for everyone in it, well, then we don't have to be threatened by others who don't see the world as we do. When we take joy in lifting others up, we don't have to be afraid of being on the bottom because there's someone else lifting us up too. When we know that love is in the heart of every person, well, isn't that the world we hope for? Isn't that a vision of the promised land? We belong to a God who loves us beyond reason a God who delights in us, a God who offers us healing and transformation. Believe that. Let that truth sink into the core of your being. When you believe that in the core of your being, it changes you. And the more you live that truth, the more it seeps out of your pores in acts of mercy and forgiveness, in sharing and generosity, in justice and righteousness, and in love that is as real as the bread and cup we share in communion. It doesn't happen overnight. Some of us have a lifetime of false messages to overcome and some pretty deep wounds that we're probably afraid to expose to the air. For most of us, this is going to be a slow journey to the promised land, even to a little tiny taste of it in our own lives. But you know, the speed doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how fast or slow we go. Only that we're on the journey. Only that we're on that journey into the heart of the God who loves us more than life itself. As we walk that journey, let's invite someone else to join us. Give them a taste of that promised land we hope for. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can access all of our previous episodes on Anchor or your favorite source for podcasts. Find out more about us at fpclincoln.org or join us on Facebook.